Press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to take a spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, York New York City. City. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. And you know, I've got to say, at the time of recording this, we don't know this information yet, but I want to preemptively say, Aaron Tveit finally got his Tony nomination, and we will have found <laughs> that out by, by the time this episode comes out. Dylan, There's literally two people who could be nominated for lead actor in a musical this year, and he's one of them. So. Just two? Him and Chris McCarroll for Lightning Thief. Oh my God. Well, you know what? We've been campaigning for Aaron for a long time, for a long time, especially you, Dylan. A decade plus, I want to say, <laughs> you know? Well, that's a gr- that's great. Yeah, because by the time this comes out, we'll know what we'll what know. these Tonys will be. I mean, they really should have done this a long time ago. I don't know what the holdup was. I don't know if I don't think the timing of like let's announce Tony nominations weeks before the election is the smartest move. I think maybe Tony nominations in September, a ceremony in October that encourages everyone to vote blue would have made a little bit more sense yeah i love that idea nbc hello (laughs) is it on nbc always i think so or cbs i think cbs because i remember the one year christian channel kept saying only cbs um okay fun yeah but there's so much going on in pop culture right now and the one the, the name on everyone's lips right now is emily Emily in Paris yeah the new Darren Star Netflix show which I love we finished we we binged we binged it oh my god I loved it I mean of course the internet is being so funny about it and saying all these crazy things but it's like younger if you've watched younger Younger meets like the last season of Sex and the City where Carrie goes and she's with Mikhail Baryshnikov and there's that whole like European chapter but that, isn't that just like the last two episodes? It felt like it dragged on too long, in my opinion. But. <laughs> well, because they did, they did the two. It was, it was season six was split into six A and six B. I don't know if that was right. like a, a writer's room thing or HBO ordered two extra seasons or I, I don't know. I don't know how it really works. I just pretend. But I know right, I just wanted like them that. back in because the fifth girl, New York City, they needed to be back in the city. I didn't want yes. her in, in in Europe. But Paris is not the fifth girl. It it's definitely New York City, but in Emily in Paris, Paris is like the other girl. Absolutely, it's cute, it's charming. There's very unlikable characters, but I I loved the show overall. I did too. Wait, and I think the most unrealistic part about it is that she would go into like a new work environment, and they would actually take her recommendations. <laughs> like I've never been in a work environment where they're like, yes, the new you know, assistant junior person, let's, let's take all of their, their social media strategy. (laughs) Also, wait, how she came in, like being a marketing person and she had like 60 followers and then she was, I believe it was 46, 46. We we felt so sad for her. And then she became an influencer overnight. That was crazy. She wasn't, her content was like, meh. Sometimes it was interesting, but no, it was cute. I loved it. It was very millennial. It was like the millennial version of the, both of the other Darren star shows we mentioned. Agree. It was cute. And, Gabrielle, the, her her chef, almost lover. I know, I know. No spoilers, no spoilers. Oof, that's a man, honey. All right, shall we jump in? I think our... we need to bring in our guest. I am so excited. Me too. Dylan, would you, would you do me the honor of reading the introduction? With pleasure. Our guest today is one of the most spectacular leading ladies on Broadway, having most recently taken a magic carpet ride eight times a week in Aladdin on Broadway as Princess Jasmine. She also created a role in the original Australian production. Before debuting on The Great Bright Way, she toured the United States as Gabriella Montez in High School Musical, which we saw in Cleveland, and Nina Rosario in In the Heights, we also saw in Cleveland. The role of Nina brought our guest to Broadway in her debut, starring opposite Lin-Manuel Miranda in the closing company of the show. Audiences will also recognize her from Wicked on Broadway as Nessa Rose, Between the Lines, Two Gentlemen of Verona, a rock opera, into the Woods as the Baker's Wife, opposite icon Titus Burgess as the Witch, and much more. Off-Broadway, she's starred in two world premiere shows by Pulitzer-winning playwright and director Nilo Cruz, entitled 
titled Sato Voce and Farhad or The Secret of Being. On TV, she's appeared in Taxi Brooklyn, Commander-in-Chief, Disney's 365, and more. You can find her debut album, A Leap in the Dark, live at Feinstein's 54 Below, wherever fine music is available. She's also the mama to the Broadway pup, Quinn. She's the founder of the Girls Camaraderie Project and is a newlywed to hunk JJ Caruncho. Please welcome to drama, Arielle Jacobs. Jacobs. Hello, hello. Hi, Connor. Hi, Dylan. Hello. Welcome to drama. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Listen, we saw you, like Dylan said, we've, you've been in our lives for a long time. I feel like I keep saying this to all of our recent guests. I'm like, you've been in my life for so long, but it's true <laughs> because being from Cleveland, we had all the great touring shows that came through before, you know, we moved to the city and uh, to New York City later, but we saw the high school musical stage show and your a star was born moment occurred <laughs> as gabriella montez oh yes that was so fun and i worked with jeff calhoun uh, who directed that so mm -hmm. i know you guys had him on the show too our pal yes, yes. he's oh, actually goodness. directing my next show as well right that's between the lines between right? the lines yeah Oh, and he's very excited about that he's excited to like be working with some new collaborators mm -hmm. too so we are hopeful that'll come when everything comes back right because it was supposed to happen in april right yeah we were supposed to start previews in april and open in may and then we got pushed to next year it was supposed to be the same slot but now because the broadway shutdown is extended who knows right when we're going to open um and where because actually um we were going to be at second stage and then right and then that didn't happen. So um, oh, that's true. So now I'm not and sure. And this is based on a Jodi Pico novel, right? So yes. did I say her last name right? You did. Congratulations. Pico, like Pico de Gaia. <laughs> yes, exactly. But spelled with an L and a T. O U L. Picolt. Uh -huh. <laughs> Most people say Jodi Picolt, but it's not. <laughs> and her daughter Samantha Van Leer wrote the book together, and they wrote the sequel off the page together as well, which is so cool because the the book is written by a mother and a daughter, and the story is really the relationship of the single mom and her daughter, and as, as the daughter who's me goes through this journey of. Um, having a really hard time at school, a hard time at home, and uh, escaping into the world of reading books. And oh my gosh. meeting a, a prince in one of the books she's reading and wanting to you know, share her life with him, but he's in a book and she's in the real world. And then what do they do? Drama. It's drama. Okay, you've got me hook, line, and sinker. I know. Wait, who, who, was, was, who was scheduled to play your mom? Um, it's Julia Murney. Oh yes, I knew, I knew that. Oh my God, we love, love Julia. And actually, I so I've been a part of the show for a few years in all the workshops and stuff. And the first, it was the first workshop I think that it, my my mom was Mandy Gonzalez. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my, yeah, that's amazing. That's perfect casting. It's been a few, and then we did a concert version at the ninety second Y two year, two or three years ago. And my mom was it? Yeah, my mom was Victoria Clark. Oh my goodness. So I've had a lot of moms. <laughs> that's so fun. Oh my goodness. That's, uh, that's I, I hope it I hope it finds a home when we're back. Um... I do too. And it will. I, I know it will. It's just, uh, yeah, who knows? Because, you know, the, the future of theater is up in the air. It's so uncertain. It really it is. Really... And it's like the only industry that is. Do you know I what know. I mean? And, mm -hmm. yeah. It makes me so upset because TV and film and, you know, Everything Basketball. else, yes, because everything else can have better COVID precautions. Every Everything else can have people spread out and everybody on the crew in masks and nobody there as a live audience, whereas theater, that's what it's about. Right. Yeah. It's so true. People are used to watching a basketball game from their couch. Right. You know, it's not, I think maybe one day, you know, as theater hopefully becomes more accessible, we'll be more used to watching, you know, for example, like Hamilton on Disney Plus, like that was a great experience, but it was a little bit jarring because I'm not used to watching a full blown musical from home where there's mm -hmm. all these distractions and you're not feeling the energy of the performers or the, of the other people experiencing it with you right there, you know? So mm -hmm. I think maybe one day once like i said once it's on streaming platforms more like for example diana which will be on netflix at some point okay, how are they going to shoot that is it going to be shot the same way that they did hamilton i think so but i, I don't so. think there's an audience 
Oh, and I know that the Aladdin is going to, because they shot the uh, stage version right. of Aladdin in London, and I know that's coming to Disney Plus, too. Hmm. So that's going to be fun for people to see. Mm-hmm. Who, do you We're know who was playing Aladdin and Jasmine in that yeah, one? Yeah, Aladdin was Ainsley Mellum, and, who was my Australian Aladdin, and we also got reunited on Broadway. And uh, and Isabel, Isabella Macala, Izzy Macala is going to be Jasmine. Izzy, that's oh, right. Nice. Yeah. Wait, so we actually saw Aladdin on Broadway like right before you went back in oh, this man. past February, sadly. I know, but it was so good. I, I, um, wait, which I had never seen you it. You saw it when? We saw it like early February. I think we actually saw it Jan- end of January. Oh, <laughs> my brain. This it year? Had cliff- mm-hmm. This year. Or maybe you just weren't in that night. I might have been out sick. I had a lot of medical stuff happen in January. So oh, I was okay. in the show through. Um, first week of March, and well, I mean until the Broadway shutdown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then we just missed you. Oh. I'm sad because we've we've seen you in all of your other. I know. You know, I know. <laughs> stuff. Darn. Um, okay, wait. Going back to the High School Musical show. Yes. <laughs> so, what was it like? Because that was the sensation of the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Was I mean, I guess an example of a musical that people were watching from home. Yes. And it just completely exploded. I mean, made stars out of its leads and the songs. Everybody knows them, even if they yeah. don't want to admit it. What was it like jumping into the the Hamilton of 2006? I'm just going to say it. Well, I didn't know. You know, I didn't. You know, the first time that I heard about what High School Musical at all was because I went to an audition for Finding Nemo at Disneyland because I was oh, living yes. in L.A. And the <laughs> casting director was like, you look like this girl who from High School Musical. Like, do you know that you look like this girl from High School Musical? And they were planning to create some sort of Disneyland theme park High School Musical thing. He gave me his cell phone number. And he's like, I want you to call me because you look like this girl from High School Musical <laughs> and we're gonna need you. So I left there. I did not book Finding Nemo <laughs> at the time, but I <laughs> called my agent and I said, hey, apparently I look like this girl from this movie called High School Musical. And I researched it when I got home and I found out they were they were planning a world premiere stage version in Atlanta. And that's where I said to my agent, I need to get in the room for this. And I did, I mean, I had, like zero credits at the time <laughs> so he got me in the room and jeff calhoun said i was the very last person they saw in their audition process because they were like who's this girl and then yeah i actually did it i had such a i had such a like little auditioning experience at the time that they gave me an audition packet it was huge it was so many songs and scenes <laughs> and my boyfriend at the time i said to him Okay, I learned this song. I learned this song. Do I really need to learn the third song? I don't want to learn the third song. They're not going to ask for all of it, right? <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy because he had been in the business for a little bit. And he was like, yes, you need to learn the third song, <laughs> which I'm very glad that he made me learn it because I had to do it in the room and I would have definitely not known what I was doing. So do they have you do when there was me and you? Yes, that was part of the audition packet. And okay. I think that was exactly the one where I was like, what is this? And I don't, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then you, obviously, like, that was, like, your way in with Disney. Is it that, was, yeah. Is that then, like, is do you think that that's what eventually led to you booking Aladdin? I mean, it probably didn't hurt, but I, yeah. Don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was, I had seen my brother in the role because um, mm-hmm. I saw them in when they were out of town in Seattle, and then I saw them in Toronto, and then, of course, so many times on Broadway. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I always wanted to to be Princess Jasmine. Every time I saw him in the show, I was like, oh, that's such a good role, and this is such a good show, and man, I can't do it with my brother. <laughs> what, when do I get to do it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh-huh. I actually, and I think that Courtney Reed, who was Jasmine, is the first one who suggested my name to our director Casey Nicola when they were casting for Australia and she was like you oh, wow. should bring her in you should bring her in and and then they made me come audition and I was very lucky that's sisterhood right there I love that and you said to your brother you were like 
dude, why didn't you submit me? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so funny. But that actually did happen. He did. That is how I got my first agent, which is another funny story, because he was he he had his first agent um, from his college showcase because he went to NYU, which I went to later as well. Right. But he had an agent for a little while, and then he. You know, back in the day, you had to deliver hard copy headshots and resumes. Yes, <laughs> not, I've heard. Not I've, today. Heard sto- I've heard stories about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, so he had to constantly replenish their their files, and so he would bring his headshots and resumes in a pile and drop them off. Well, one day I was at NYU at the time. I was a sophomore, I think, um, maybe a junior. I don't know. But I got a call on my cell phone, and it was the agency, and they were like hi are you adam jacob's sister yes would you like to come in and have a meeting with us or um you know have a chat about possible representation and i was like yes <laughs> so they booked me a time i got to go in and have like a 10 minute meeting and then that went well so then they had me come audition for them i had to do two songs and a monologue and that happened because my brother, not telling anyone, he didn't tell them, he didn't tell me, but when he took his headshot and resume stack, he slipped one of mine in the middle of his pile. So as they were oh. submitting him for stuff, they came across my headshot and resume and Oh, that's they so me. special. Oh my goodness. That's cute. Okay, he's a good bro- brother. He's a good year, brother, truly. yes. yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so cool. Okay, so you were at NYU and you had your agent before Showcase then. Yeah, I did. So I actually oh, got my equity. And then, so I got, I was auditioning and got cast in my my equity card show that I got my equity card for. It was uh, It was a summer stock gig in West Virginia at the Contemporary American Theater Festival. So that oh. was before graduation. So I was pretty lucky because i got my equity card before even before showcase wow so did you still ultimately do a showcase with your your class and everything oh that's fun (laughs) oh i love that wait i forgot to ask you a very important question that we ask all of our guests before we even deep dive into everything but are you doing well like how have you been doing in the midst of all this pandemic and i mean it's been six months since you got married and yes so my wedding was right before broadway shut down I was supposed to, like, my my wedding was on a Friday, and I went, it was in Mexico, so it was a destination wedding. Oh, fine. In Tulum. So then we came oh. back to New York on Sunday, and I started back in my eight shows a week on Tuesday. And I was supposed to have two weeks left before my contract was over. And after the next day, on Wednesday, they was like, okay, Broadway's done, Broadway shut mm. down which I didn't know till Thursday. So of course I played my last show as Jasmine and I did not even realize it was my last show. It was the end of this two year journey on Broadway plus six months in Australia. And I, I, I felt like it was just poof. Like it was just gone. It was just, you know, stolen from me. There's no closure there then with that role. Exactly. It was so bizarre. Um, It felt weird to not, to not have closure for the role, but also just to not have that closure with the family that I've grown to love and see every day mm-hmm. for years. Um, yeah, it was it was really weird. So then um, we left New York because we didn't want to stay here because it was getting real crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. We live in a high-rise apartment building. I did not want to be in shared spaces, shared right. air vents, and like y- you don't know how this viruses oh there were so many unknowns in the beginning mm-hmm. yeah and it, and then we found out that yes it is airborne so yes mm-hmm. you need to yeah, yeah. <laughs> not be in spaces with people without a mask um so we escaped new york and went to florida we went to miami where my husband's family is and uh we wanted to to be safe and we had we we're really lucky to be there so it's been a journey um and now we're back in new york and I'm okay. I'm okay. I, my I'm really lucky because none of my family has been affected. Well, my my brother, half brother, uh, had COVID, and he's mm. fine now. Um, he's he got through it, and um, it's affecting my family in other ways though because my 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 dad has um, Alzheimer's, oh. and he's just like within the last month. Has gone into a memory care facility, 
where he can be taken care of better. Mm -hmm. Because of the virus, it's it's they have very strict visitation hour. Like you can't really, you can't visit. You can see him through a window for five seconds and wave, but um, it's just really hard on oh, that's my mom and my family and and for him because you know he doesn't really know what's going on and his family can't even be there to hang out with him. So mm. that's been the most challenging thing that we've been struggling with. Um, and then also the uncertainty of not knowing, sure, not knowing when we're going to have performing jobs or opportunities again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's also unknown, but I trying to keep my head up and I'm actually starting a business uh, outside of the theater. So oh. yeah. So my husband and I have uh, a couple things going on. We're creating a voice lesson masterclass series where people can take singing lessons with us. Um, Amazing. And then we're also creating this company called Sancta Via, and it's a wellness company that's a combination of physical training. It's like a longevity-focused art that is a practice where you focus on a combination of physical training with meditation, performance psychology, breath work, nutrition, and it's all of this stuff in one. So you really get to learn how to take care of your body and your wellness as much as you can and do things that will keep you in tip-top shape as you age and help you get to learn your body and what your body does, what your muscles do, like all of the things that we should learn because we have these incredible instruments of the human body and we don't even know how they work. So um, so it's been really fun creating that. And so we, that's another another chapter that's yeah. starting right now oh my god congrats you've sold connor he's already ready to be like a brand <laughs> ma- uh, representative for you thanks um, done literally i was like wait i i want to join it's amazing yeah <laughs> i'm in yeah. that's so cool i'm really happy for you that you've been able to use this time to um i i don't want i don't want to use the word pivot but i suppose just direct your energy towards positive um momentum for your you know personal and professional life that's great thank you and it's um yeah it's it you know pe- whenever people start something new they're like oh are you giving up performing are you giving up acting you're like no i'm not i can do multiple things at the same time mm-hmm. and actually right now because people are stuck at home and sancta via is going to be offering online classes online courses and people want to be able to still you know feel physical and and train their bodies and and feel like they're part of a class environment and get you know wisdom but not be Mm -hmm. able to go to the gym it's like (laughs) and you don't need to go to a gym like we teach all body weight stuff so you don't need weights you don't need any of that Mm. so i've um, heard amazing things about body weight training it is it is the real deal Mm mm-hmm Oh, that's so exciting. That's and I love that you get to work with your hubby on that. Like, th- mm-hmm. that, how fun. <laughs> and I'm learning so much because I am in front of the camera demonstrating certain exercises sometimes, but I'm also behind the camera. I'm doing, like, the cinematography. I'm doing the oh audio. My. I'm making sure that everything's working. I'm producing. I'm the behind-the-scenes producer at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so no small thing. That's huge props to you because i mean we self-produced this podcast with our friend maggie but other than that it is such a learning experience it's people, such a like, learning only curve. see the finished product mm-hmm. that like it is so incredible that you're taking the time to learn all of this and do it I'm, I'm excited to see thank you that that's one of the things that we talk about is like f- the idea of when you're failing at something how to reframe it in your head because you're mm. not if you think, oh, I'm failing, then it's just like stopping you in your tracks. But if you think this is okay, I'm experiencing failure at this thing, it's new. But every time you experience failure, you're aware of what, you know, it's like you learn with your blind spots. It shines a light mm-hmm. at what you need to know so that you can address it and that you can get better so that you can learn and you can grow. But if you if you just keep telling yourself that you're a failure, you won't even you won't be able to see the bigger picture you're just going to stop mm. and give up mm. that's really great i i feel like i'm uh i'm getting a lot out of this area <laughs> oh my god i'm thinking about the lady gaga lyric my biggest enemy is me from her song 911 and i'm so like good it's true right yes. like 
oh my god i'm having like i, I consistently continue to injure my foot and i have surgery on no. it all this stuff oh. oh my gosh it's been like a year-long struggle but i just re-injured it again doing i don't know what and i'm and i think a lot of it's in my head um about like how i'm how my what my road to recovery looks like mm -hmm. so having that reminder that like i can reframe it and learn from it is yeah i mean you gotta think about it like a science experiment like okay that didn't work what is like what do i need to try next mm -hmm. yeah well i'm happy for you this is gonna be so great do you do you like working with your husband yes i do and we we have the best time because um one of the things that we are really into uh in the company and also one of the things that we like to teach is like you don't have to be so serious when you're training a lot of people mm. think that when i'm getting strong that it's all like serious but it doesn't have to be you can still smile and be goofy and at the same time learn how to be powerful and strong person um so he's constantly trying to make me laugh while i'm behind the camera <laughs> that's that's been fun and we bring our dog to work so yes. Quinn, the Broadway pup, gets to come yes. and hang out with us. Oh so my god, the wedding photos, like. the wedding photos of you with Quinn were mm. so adorable. <laughs> Everyone needs to look on your Instagram. Also, your dress was absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. I uh, I actually, I picked it, I, I tried on several dresses in one day and then I, I was like, oh, but this one I just feel like the combination of bohemian slash goddess slash mm -hmm. just like and the long bell sleeves the whole thing yes. was so the other thing was it was too late to get it created this company really only makes handmade dresses mm. so they were going to take way too long to make it because they're all made by hand in new zealand and then oh, they had wow. to ship it to me so instead i was able to get the sample sale dress and then just get it tailored to fit me perfectly mm -hmm. But the lady who Amazing. was tailoring it in Brooklyn was like, you keep losing weight. This isn't working. Stop. Stop changing your weight. But I was just, I was doing Cinque de Villa and I was like getting fit. And I was like also mm -hmm. playing Jasmine. So you've got to maintain oh, yeah. looks when you're wearing nothing. On Absolutely. Stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's so funny. Um, wait, okay. So I also saw that you and your husband were doing something on Instagram on Fridays, right? Is this, this was the fan Friday live stream. Yes. So every Friday we have a live stream and I, you know, it's funny. I started this when I was doing Jasmine on Broadway a year ago or something. So before, before the show started every day, I would sit in my dressing room and just turn the live stream on and like talk to fans and answer questions. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually Disney didn't want me to do it anymore. Cause they were like, you can't, we want people to see you and see Jasmine. Like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they didn't want to see me and Jasmine close, but not playing Jasmine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So now I do it at home and JJ and I will talk to fans. We have a theme song that I wrote. <laughs> it's, it's so really cute. Fun. We have fans from all over the world We who, who actually come every week to talk to us. We have people from Japan. We have people from Brazil. We have people from Mexico. We have people from London and Hong Kong and Australia and New Zealand and all over the U.S. And um, they ask questions and we, we kind of just talk about life and sing some songs. And I love it. I love it because it's such a fun thing that's on a schedule, so you know it's mm -hmm. every Friday. You can rely on it, and they can rely on us because we're here for them, and it's a time for people to look forward to because we're just hanging out and chilling and making fun times and telling jokes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I know. It's so it's, it's fun. So fun. I, I've tuned in before, and it is just – you the chemistry the two of you have as well is just so pure and so fun. I actually saw the two of you perform – at Robbie Roselle's 50, Tuesdays at 54 show oh, yes. last January, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so, so amazing. This was before you got married, actually. Yes, so it, it was. was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we oh, sang Move it. On from Sunday mm -hmm. in the Park with George. <sighs> we love that song. That's great. So is your husband a performer as well? He is, yeah. And he just sang at the Kennedy Center with Titus Burgess for Titus' oh solo God. show. Not Your the pal. Kennedy Center. No, no, Carnegie Hall. Sorry. He just okay. sang, Carnegie he just Hall, sang yeah. with Titus at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. And and Titus was in our wedding party. He was one of his groomsmen. 
Oh my, so oh, did you did you meet Titus through doing Into the Woods together? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. So JJ and Titus met years ago back when Titus was teaching voice lessons, <laughs> which he doesn't do anymore because he's way too no. busy. <laughs> uh-huh. but, uh, but JJ was taking voice lessons with him for years and they became friends. Oh, I love that. Oh. Mm-hmm. I need to ask about, because you played the baker's wife, one of the most iconic roles of all time what was that production like because i know that there were some some adjustments made obviously with titus being the witch um what were were some of the other specific changes that were in a part of that production uh well that was the main change i mean the other thing was the colorblind casting um yes which you know everyone's saying oh you guys are so edgy you're having like a brazilian (laughs) polka not a brazilian um rapunzel you have an italian cinderella you have a filipino baker's wife you have a cuban baker you have um a black male witch like you guys are doing everything so risky and we're jj wrote this letter that got uh got posted on Broadway World at the time because he was like this is this shouldn't be outside the norm this is like mm-hmm. why are you expecting them to all be white and this is different like yep. this, yes. first of all these are fairy tale characters number one <laughs> and number two nobody else in the audience is, is thinking these things they're all just coming in and seeing a show with characters that are real people so yes what you know a lot of people who saw the show didn't even know the show before and so they didn't even know that the witch was a woman and they didn't think twice <laughs> yeah right oh it's that's, that's so that's cool. so it's so true and i we talked about this with anna viafani a few weeks ago about the uproar about ariel in the little mermaid movie being black and how everyone was being like insanely racist and terrible about it and it's like why in our heads do these characters have these preset Races like it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like especially with like you said, fairy tale characters. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I know the same thing happened. Speaking of Little Mermaid, the same thing happened to the the national tour because the the girl playing right. Ariel on the tour was Asian American. Asian. And mm-hmm. they didn't like that. So it's it's just you know people need to loosen up and uh, <laughs> allow anyone to play any character. Mm-hmm. It, it it also can't be so um, you know like it can't be like only Latinos can play Latino characters and only Black people can play Black characters and only Chinese can play Chinese. Yes, I get it. If the role is specific to that character and it's about that culture, yes, mm-hmm. I get yes. it. But if like the script says, you know, uh, I don't know, German woman walks into a <laughs> walks into a store <laughs> and buys the thing, yeah. like. It can be anybody. It doesn't. It, mm-hmm. If it says woman walks into a store, it can be anyone. So, yes. um, I think it's just about letting any ethnicity play any character that's not about a specific culture. Yes, because you know who it doesn't matter for, especially with the Disney the Disney shows, is it doesn't matter to the kids. They don't exactly. care at all. Like exactly. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it also can be very limiting if we if we get to a place where you can only play the ethnicity that you are because mm-hmm. okay i am half white half filipina and jewish russian polish dutch sprinkled in but what does that allow me to play there are no roles written for half white half filipino girls right right so it, i mean if it gets to the place where if you are latina and you can only play latina that's going to be bad for them too mm-hmm you were speaking truth. I, I appreciate your perspective on this so much. It's with with the world being what it was. I really hope that Broadway comes back and has has wider eyes to everything that's going on here because it's it's necessary for especially you know representation matters. It does. It really does. You know what? I read this thing about how after Brave came out, mm. how many little girls started taking up archery lessons. Oh, that's so cute. Because they saw this cool character who did archery and also the Hunger Games. Same thing happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Archery had a moment. Yeah. (laughs) People were really into archery for a while. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Okay, so not to change the topic way too much, but we were talking about what you're up to now. Let's go wait. Let's go back in time to the moment when you realized that you loved the arts for performing 
you know, theater, music, whatever it was, we call it a ring of keys moment because it's that moment of recognition when you thought, oh, I want to be a part of that. Do you feel like you have a ring of keys moment? Uh, well, the only thing I, I know that really affected me, there were a few things as a kid. Um, one was watching The Wizard of Oz because I was obsessed with that movie. I would watch it, you know, at least twice a week. Um, and still to this day, I love singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's incredible. Yes. Um, that was definitely one thing that I loved because I, in my eyes, I was like, oh, I, that was even before I saw musical theater. So I was like, movie musicals, that's what I want to do. I want to do movie musicals because I just loved the singing and acting put together. Um, the other thing I used to do as a kid, too, one is... Uh, I would play the soundtrack of Sunset Boulevard in my house (laughs) and I would act out and choreograph the whole show. I love it. Amazing. I I was like, what, eight years old. (laughs) I hope there were some costumes too. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you had the sunglasses and big jacket. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I also would play, um, Harry Connick Jr. It had to be you. It had to be you. And I would blast it on my boombox and I would carry it out onto my front lawn and I would put on a show for nobody. There was no one out there, but I was pretend that I had an audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's so, so cute. cute. Yeah, oh my I goodness. Just loved it. Now, was this when you were living it? It was called Half Moon Bay, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You, because you tell your your origin story so beautifully in your album that was at Fine Science Fifty Four Below, but yes, which oh my god, that reminds me. Okay, so we were doing prep for your for your episode, mm-hmm. and we were like, oh my god, Ben Moss keeps popping up everywhere. <laughs> we had Ben on the podcast, and we're friends, and he sends his love. Oh. But we were like, oh my god, I love this duo. Oh, it's oh oh my gosh, singing with Ben at that piano, and then singing with him, because he has a voice of God as well. I, I, yes, I love collaborating with him. He is such a, he's, the way that he interprets and expresses music, it's like he's from another earth. I mean, he's from yeah. the heavens, and now he's yes. on earth. <laughs> Truly. Literally. Yes. Very that. Yes. Very that. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. But but like Dylan was saying, you do tell your your origin story so well actually thank you my husband actually helped he wrote the script after interviewing me for 23 hours about my life and then he directed it and so he's he's helped me with that quite a bit Oh yeah, it it, it flowed. Awesome. The music choices were incredible, and um, I actually worked at Fifty Four for up until the pandemic happened. So that place is so special to me. And you see so many um, solo shows or debuts where people tell their stories, and when people nail it, they nail it. And if anyone wants like a good model of it, they need to listen to your album because it is so. I mean, it's also be- heartbreakingly beautiful at times. I mean, and in fact, when you were talking about between the lines. I saw some parallels to your own life, just about mm-hmm. school troubles and sort yeah. of losing yourself in art and, and whatnot. So that's yeah. probably cool to be able to take on that role and add that personal touch to it. Yeah, it is. It really is. And um, and Jody Pico has been saying that to me for a while, too. She's like, you were bullied in school, too. You are Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yay. Yes. <laughs> Don't replace me. Yeah. Actually, she's the one who found me for the role. What's so funny? I didn't audition for it initially. My, you know, they were in the workshops back when they were doing readings and workshops and you know writing the scripts to make it what they wanted. Um, Jody Pico was scouring YouTube and found my video of me singing "When Will My Life Begin" from Tangled, and she oh, freaked out. She's like, "That's our Delilah. That's her." Mm. And so she's like, "Call her agent." And then. <laughs> I was offered the role for the workshop, so um, I, it was just so lucky. And it's just a reminder of how you you got to put yourself out there. So yeah. many people are afraid to make videos, afraid to, you know. And when I made those videos, I made three at the time that I put online. I made um, When Will My Life Begin and Colors of the Wind and Let It Go. And I put <sighs> them on YouTube from the same, like, one-day session. And people at the time were like, why are you doing this? Are you, are, did you book something? Are you trying to book something? And I was like, no, I did it because I thought it was fun. <laughs> so that, I mean, if, if you love performing, 
don't be afraid to put your stuff out there where people can see it because you never know what can come of that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. amazing. Oh, so, so wonderful. Such wonderful advice. Um, okay, so one of Connor and I's favorite musicals of all time is In the Heights. And I know you did the tour. <laughs> How did you ultimately end up in the closing company on Broadway of In the Heights? Because wasn't Jordan Sparks playing the role? Yes, yes. Did you yes. replace her? I did. Oh my gosh, how fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on the tour for a year. And um, I and at the end of the year, I was like, should I stay on the tour? Should I re like renew my contract and extend or should I not? And at the time, I, I thought, you know, I really want to get to, a chance to play this role on Broadway. So maybe I should leave the tour because if I'm available for the role, I, I always think the producers are going to do what's easiest for them, right? Uh -huh. you know, oh, yeah, I like yeah, thinking yeah. like a business person. Like if I was a yeah. producer, I would just keep her where she is and find somebody <laughs> else. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to leave the tour and I'm going to hope that um, if I'm available, then the next time that the role on Broadway is available after Jordan Sparks is done, mm -hmm. then I get to maybe maybe they'll call me. Maybe I have my costumes. Yeah. I know the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so uh, I leave the tour. And two days later, I find out that they announced that the Broadway show is closing. And I was so devastated because I had left the show because I wanted that chance. And then I was like, oh, gosh, they're going to close the show on Broadway. You know, why would they? Why now would they recast it? They have Jordan Sparks. Why would they recast it? <laughs> so um, I called my mom and I was really upset. And she was like, well, maybe Jordan Sparks wants to take a vacation. Like, why don't you just have your agent call them and see if she wants a vacation and then you can go to make your Broadway debut. And I was like, I don't think that that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I love mom logic. It's so cute. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I was like, you know what? If I don't make this phone call, I'll always think what if, right? So I mm. called my agent and I was like, this is the craziest idea. <laughs> Blame my mom. Uh, but can you call and see if there's a chance I could fill in or <laughs> like what, what's yeah. going on there? Um, Cause it was at, like, it was over Christmas and New Year's and I was like, maybe she wants a week off. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so my agent called and, and they were like, Oh, well actually, uh, you know, Jordan's going to be leaving and, we would love to have Ariel come play Nina for the last two months before the show closes. <sighs> so that's just, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it worked. Incredible. <laughs> yes. Mom, mother that's knew so best. Great. Yes. Mother knows best. You were great as Nina, and I remember you had a short haircut. I know, I miss my short haircut. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was so cute. It was so cute. I, uh, I always say that I think In the Heights is just like a perfect musical the song the way the songs blend with the story it is just all right there I, you can't watch it without crying at something yes. and it's just but it's also so joyful oh my god it's the best mm -hmm. it really is and it's also the first i was just talking about this with someone yesterday that in the heights was the first time that i felt this it, it really gives you this connection to your culture that you don't know like mm. what what was it like for my grandparents you know what was it like for them living in the philippines what was it like and and i know that in the heights is is a latino story but what's so cool about it is how many people would come up to me afterwards or write me letters and basically say what i was already feeling which is like this makes me want to know more about the people who who came before me and my family i want to know my family's history i want to know my stories that are in my blood that i don't know about so i don't know that i'd ever felt that before in the heights mm. oh that's beautiful it does go to show that you can take it's like when people will say like you know, when you know straight people don't want to watch films about gay people because they're like oh i don't know if there's much there for me but it's like you know we can get anything from any kind of art if it moves you Definitely. you know i mean 
I've been taking things from straight stories for my entire life. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want to, like, I'm watching Emily in Paris. And I'm like, wait, I want to find a French chef to fall in love with. But, um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. But anyway, but you're right. That's so beautiful. Oh, my God. What a what a great. I, um, I have one impact. question just about the In the Heights experience. I have heard legends of the final performance on Broadway of just some of the, the um, audience participation and there were like uh, flags in the audience and what was that like that final show of in the heights like i mean that final weekend it was like the both saturday and sunday i can't even put it into words it was so momentous it felt like a, a moment in history that hmm. um there th the celebration in that theater was off the charts it was like yes people had their flags and, um, you know, they all had their cell phones up for blackout like they always do in every city oh, on tour, yes. too. <laughs> but I, you know, the, the celebration that they had, it was like you could see how much this show meant to them because they were seeing themselves on stage. Mm. And every character that came on was celebrated with applause and shouting and standing ovations so many times throughout the show. And... Uh. It was like the whole thing was just felt electric, similar to when I did High School Musical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I the love that. fiery excitement, you know, that was out there for that show. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I love it. All right. So we are wrapping up now and we like to end on what we call a dose of drama, mm -hmm. which could be you know, that piece of culture you've been consuming, an interaction you had on the street, anything that's on your mind at all, whether you're feeling dramatic about it or not. Do either of you have a dose of drama? Dylan, do you want to kick it off? Yeah. Today? So it's obviously spooky season and I am trying my Ooh. best to get in the spirit and it's, with everything going on, it's tough, but I've been revisiting some of my favorite Halloween classics like I have yet to watch Hocus Pocus but I will soon but watched the 1978 Halloween um, with Jamie Lee Curtis it is a masterpiece if you're not a scary movie person I still think it's a great movie with with not like we're probably more accustomed to different types of scares now so it's it feels like a like a vintage type of scare um Honestly, me and my neighborhood walks is me as Jamie Lee Curtis, as Laurie Strode wandering the neighborhood with Michael staring me down because I'm rocking my Biden-Harris t-shirt. That's literally me all the time. <laughs> um, but I would say my, my dose is I found a scary-ish series on HBO Max called The Murders at White House Farm, and it is a scary, true crime, fictionalized version of it. It is only six episodes. It is so crazy, and the twists are so cool. And I think that it's definitely worth the watch if you want to kind of get in the spooky spirit. Love it. I did watch it with you, and I can say... Connor Brave I'm not usually, I'm, I know. I usually... True crime scares the crap out of me. I can do, like, fictional horror, but the idea of knowing that it was actually happened, I, it makes me not be able to sleep at night, for real. Um I love it. All right, my dose of drama. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'm having all this trouble with my foot. Oh. And it is my health. You know, I, I've been saying all the year, and I still am, that I'm lucky to have my health. But one of the one things that has kept me kind of sane every day is fitness. And becoming injured again has been a, you know, a wrench in the machine that I did not see coming. Um, so just send me your good healing vibes because – Truly, it like hurt for a. I mean, I was resting for a while, but it hurts to like walk around the neighborhood like Dylan as Laurie Strode. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's been dark, but I'm up. But you know, I'm learning new ways to exercise that don't involve so much impact on my foot. So, maybe it has been a learning lesson after all. I don't know, but I'm feeling dramatic about it, of course, because I'm a baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ariel, do you have a dose of drama? Yes, I was gonna share a podcast that I've been mm. really loving, but before I do that. I am. I, I do feel dramatic about a few things, and one of them has to do with the people who wear their masks under their nose. Oh my goodness! You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like the people who wear their masks so it's covering their mouth but not their nose. Mm -hmm. You know that that does not help, right? It's like, ridiculous. These people who are thinking, <laughs> I would, as long as my mouth is covered, they can't get this virus that's coming out the air, coming out of my nose. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's so real. I cannot stand it when that happens. Um, or the people who, who like leave it under their chin, you know? They're like, they're wearing it, but it's on their chin. Why? why? I've seen people lower it to talk. Yes, exactly. Like have their mask on, that happened I'm today like... to me. I was, <laughs> the whole point of a mask, I was on a plane because I had to be, not because I wanted to be. But there uh -huh. was a guy across the, the aisle, he had the mask on his face correctly, and he had to sneeze, and he removed it to sneeze. And oh, I was like, no. are you crazy? <laughs> like, the point of the mask is to catch your sneeze and your breath. Horror. But, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was the dramatic and that's annoyance. real drama. I had to that's share that. Drama. But then, no, so then there's you. this podcast I really like. Yeah. And it's called The Happiness Lab. It's ba it's oh. so cool because this woman who's a Yale professor, her name is Dr. Lori Santos, and she talks about the science of happiness. And she talks to different scientists about happiness. And lately she's been doing these history lessons where she talks about different people who uh, and what, what their idea of happiness like what what did they say about happiness like the buddha like what hmm. she gives you like a history lesson on the buddha and what his life was like and what he said about happiness and then one about epictetus who was like the creator of stoicism and then one about plato and one about aristotle and i'm like it's really cool because she the way that she shares these stories just makes it so easy to understand and really entertaining you know a lot of people would never want to read stuff by Aristotle and Plato because they're like, oh, heavy, you know, sure, so serious, uh -huh. so like complicated. But the way she talks about it is really, really easy to digest and really fun. That oh, sounds love familiar. It. The Happiness Lab, it sounds familiar. I feel like they might have had a YouTube channel at some point or if it's like a, if it's a larger company, I don't know if it's, that's just something new, but I need to look into this because I think we all need a little bit more happiness mm -hmm. <laughs> right now. That's amazing. Well, I sure have felt happy talking to you, Ariel. You are so wonderful and smart and insightful. Even with everything you've got going on with your family and in the world, you've stayed resilient. And Connor and I have been fans for so long. And so this was truly a treat to be able to chat with you and learn a little bit more about you. Thank you, guys. It was so fun to chat with you as well and i appreciate you having me on your podcast it's just great and i hope that everyone enjoys it and that you get oh, more yeah. and more and more and more amazing amazing shows oh, oh thank, thank you, you so much well everybody follow ariel at ariel jacobs on twitter and instagram follow at the drama podcast follow me at connor mcdowell me at Dylan McDowell and check out our merch that's flying off the shelves yes. and check out our Patreon and be, be part of the drama club or as we're calling it Patreama Patreon plus drama equals Patreama get into it <laughs> Connor we will see you next time and everybody vote drama, drama.